Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. And welcome to Trophy Horrors. This is episode 515. I'm your host, Tricky Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, it's Alex. I've got my new Mega Man 3 mouse pad and I'm ready to go. Should have been Mega Man 4. He brings the awesome, it's I yield to no one. You know, at times, I really enjoy Horizon. And at other times, I'm playing Horizon 1.5. You know, I always hated that phrase. Can we say that about most sequels? Like, I know, I was saying, that's the point I always make. Is like Somebody always talks about a sequel and they go, oh, this is just so-and-so 1.5. I'm like, well, how much did you really expect them to change? And it's not a shot at you, Yield. You got, like, Sly 2 Band of Thieves, which changed the gameplay up a ton from the first Sly Cooper. So there you go. But most other games, I mean, I don't know. Are they really that much different than... The games that preceded them in a series, like the Ratchet and Clank Future games, aren't they all kind of Ratchet and Clank Tools of Destruction or Ratchet and Clank Future 1.5? Well, I I say that in the sense that that there are moments in the game that I that I get lost in, and I'm, and, I, and I'm truly enjoying like if it is a true sequel, and then there are other instances where I feel like the game either diverted a little too much or didn't change much at all. And and it that's what annoys me. It, it's, it's, it's annoying enough that I don't totally, absolutely love this as for like a game of the year contender where I'm like, well, this is a good new game. But I'm but I'm still I'm still early. I think the balance you have to strike is, you know, Reminding people why they enjoyed the first game so much and keeping gameplay similar in that regard, but then taking the story and the characters in new, into new directions and expanding upon the universe, but also creating you know new things, bringing additions to make the package even better. So, I mean, overall, I don't think I I, I kind of got exactly what I expected in Horizon Forbidden West, maybe a lot more because the game is massive. But as far as a sequel goes, I just kind of expect that. Yeah, the the core, the fa- I mean, they built that foundation for a reason so they could build off it. So I feel like every sequel is like, you know, it, you could I guess call it a one point five, but they're all they're they're trying to keep it familiar enough and then build upon that to give you enough to where you you know you just enjoy getting sucked back into the world. All right. Well, I mean, before we go into the show proper, I you know I had a question that I was going to pose to you guys. Uh it probably could be a little confusing when I ask it, but I, it makes sense in my head, apparently. Um, when you have a big open world like Horizon, where it, you have a lot of side quests or, you know, what not to do, what is your opinion of how much of the actual completion rate 
should be main story and how much should be side quests. I ask that because I'm literally on the last mission right now, and I've been doing a shitload of side missions, but I noticed that when I got to the final mission, and I was doing side missions along the way, I was only at 30% completion of the game. And I thought that was just a little low compared to, you know, finishing the game. Well, a lot of times, completion percentage is tied to, uh, and something like that, Find so we'll just use Horizon as the example. Finding all the question marks, identifying you know, okay, this question mark is a a blocked path. It's an old city. It's a ruin. It's a village. It's you know, you get. I'm saying it's a machine site. Blah 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 blah. That's tied into your completion percentage. So is probably so is owning the weapons, uh, outfits. And so on and so forth. So that's probably why you were only at 37%. That's just my guess. I haven't really delved in to see if that is true. But I know other games, they tie all that stuff into completion percentage. Um, I would say story to side missions, uh, I prefer like a good 50-50 ratio. Um, I would probably prefer more of the 60-40, maybe pushing 70-30 story mission to side missions. Because I feel that the the bulk of your game should be story, and the side missions are helped to level up, flesh out the story, flesh out side characters or the environment. That's just my opinion. But the worst it should be is 50-50, not just 40-60. I I fall at the 70-30 mark. Like, 70% of it should be your main story, 30% should be side stuff. Alex, what do you, what about you? Well, I mean, you're definitely definitely not getting that with Horizon because from what I have gleaned, it's it's a good seventy thirty in their direction, where seventy percent of it's you know side stuff, and then thirty percent of it's going to be the main story. Which all the side stuff in this game, like that's what's impressed me about the missions is they don't like the missions are hardy. The main missions, the side missions, even some of the errands, like. There's beef to them. It's not like just some easy, cheap, throwaway shit. And there's story built in within all of them that, you know, shows you more of Aloy's character and how she interacts with people in the world. And also gives you a better idea of individuals within each part of the Tanakh or the Yotaru. So I think that the side missions, while, you know, they're not just throwaway, they actually add to your universe. And they actually, a lot of them are, you know, they're like, I don't think I've come across a mission where it wasn't just, I wasn't having fun, where I was just like, this is bullshit. And I think they did a really good job of not making the side stuff feel like just trivial or like a bother. So most of this mission, this, this game is going to be side missions, which is why there's the you see the early reports of a 30-hour platinum. Well, yeah, you only, you don't have to get all the collectibles in this game to get the platinum. I mean, you've got to find all the tall necks and you've got to do um, all the cauldrons. So there are things you have to do a lot, you know, all of. But for the most part, all the tedious stuff in other games like collectibles and stuff, you don't have to do that in this game. So I think I saw that it's, you have to get over 50% to get the Platinum Trophy, um, that, roughly. Average, yeah. So you don't have to complete the game 100%. So it's not, And that's what I think you know, Sony's doing a good job of, and we're seeing Sony get, you know, the Sony studios do more and more of, like with Ratchet & Clank. Ratchet & Clank, uh, um, oh, um, Rift Apart. Rift Apart, sorry. I was, I was going through all the names in my head, and I couldn't think of it. That was, a you know... as far as time investment goes a really low investment platinum because you didn't have to get everything in that game you didn't have to go through and upgrade all the weapons to their omega versions and and all of that so 
It seems like Sony Studios are getting away from having you do everything in a game, get 100%, and just making you get the platinum for doing, you know, smaller little things. Um, Ghost of Shima, you didn't have to get all the collectibles in that game to get the platinum. You just had to get some of them. So it seems like Sony's getting away from making you complete the game 100% to get platinum trophies, which I appreciate because that is more respectful of my time, which I, I definitely appreciate. And if I want to get the 100%, that, that's you know certainly my choice. But uh, it seems like Sony is moving away from that, and I appreciate that. Uh, did Tricky, after all that rambling, to get back to your your main story, your main um, question, I think it's a good mix in Horizon, which allows people who just want to do the main story to get through it and enjoy it. And then if you want to do the side stuff, there's plenty to do there. There's plenty more world to see. So I think it should actually be mostly side mission um, and then main story. So I, I think that they've got a good ratio here for me. I, I want more side stuff, which you know is optional and allows you to do things if you want them to, if you want to spend more time in the world of Horizon. But if you're going to go get the main story and experience the base core fun of the game, you can do that. And there's plenty of main story there. You know, this this game is not short on story, so even if you just buy it to do the main storyline, you're not, you know, going to be ripped off or anything like that. So for me, it's it's more side stuff. I think that, and that adds a greater mix to the gameplay as well. Oh, I just, I, I, I playing the game and I'm noticing what I have to do and whatnot. And it's just, it doesn't seem like it, it, this was balanced out the way I would have balanced it out, if that makes any sense. I think that a lot of the surprise comes from, you know, even if you played the first Horizon, this game is so much bigger that I think that a lot of us didn't expect this game to be as big as it is. I think that, you know, I beat and Platinum Goshima just over a month. This game is probably going to take me twice, if not three times as long, to get everything done. So I will get the Platinum before, you know, three months, but I'm going to un- I'm gonna uncover all the map and all that stuff, so... I'm going to go through and do everything I can, and that's probably going to take me three months. But this, I, I, did, I did not anticipate this game being as big as it is. I don't have an issue with it. I think it's great, especially when you, you, know, you figure you pay $60, $70 for a game. So I think the value is there. But yeah, I just think that that's, that's one of the things that people have been caught off guard by is just how big the game is. All right. Uh, I'm going to have to... All right some reason my system is telling me I only have 20 minutes left to record. Alright, uh, let's do our updated trophy count. Uh, my... Just lost mine. I am level 681, total trophies of 16,599 with 371 Platinums. Alex? I am level 455 with a total trophy count of 7,868 with a Platinum count of 122 in 121 games. Yield? Uh, 470 is my level with a trophy count of 8314 and a platinum count of 149. Alright, and I just... Sid is level 553 with total trophies of 11,404 with 219 platinums. Alright, I mean, we kind of went into it a little bit already. We're all playing Horizon, but uh, Yield, are you playing anything else other than Horizon? Uh, Rocket League. For our Thursdays, and uh, got together a little bit on Saturday night, played some private matches, and uh, Deep Rock Galactic, uh, and that's uh, oh, and Just Cause Three. I fired up Just Cause Three in offline mode because I've had time away from it, and now it's time to go back and get the platinum. All right, Alex. 
Yeah, played some Rocket League as well uh, Thursday and last night with Yield as well as Homer, Nitro, and Homer's uh, work friends, Joe and Travis. Good competitive private match games as always, so had a lot of fun with you guys. Uh, we played for a good two two hours, I think, last night, so we went deep into the hours of the night. Really, the only thing else I've been playing is Horizon, and just, uh, you know, we've talked about it a little bit. I mean, let me ask you guys a, a question. Um, I'll, I'll be brief on, on this, but the, the the beginning of the game where you're with Varl and you're going through the ruins, that feels so long ago to me that it almost feels like I'm playing Horizon 3, to be perfectly honest. Like, I've gotten so far into this game and there's been so much story and gameplay that I honestly feel like I've played two Horizon games. Does any anybody else get that feeling? Um... That's, I mean, Yield isn't as far, so he may not feel that way, but I just, from the way the game started out and then to where I am now, it just feels like that was so long ago and just actually another game in general. Um, I, I I do know that, like, it. I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, I just, I, I just lost my train of thought. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, Just a couple other things I want to bring up, like the... Uh, I do appreciate that there's hardly any load times. The game is, that's one thing about the power of the PlayStation 5 is load times are minimal. There's like hardly anything at all and the world is seamless. So I, I love that about just run through Horizon. Like, um, I did notice, I was going to say, there was, um, has you guys noticed any voice work dropout, voiceover work dropout while playing the game? A little bit. Not much. I haven't really noticed anything. When you when you were talking to Zoe at Plain Song, when you first meeting her, there was like five or six lines where the conversation just completely dropped out, where the words are still at the bottom of the screen, you can read them the text, but the the audio work dropped out. So there were issues with that that I've had. Again, doesn't take away from the experience, so it's not a big deal. But have you guys also ever had the thing where you were trying to like it was telling you to go to this one thing to do like talk to this person or investigate this thing? And you you got to where the icon was, but you couldn't like complete what it was they were asking you to do. So you had to say, um, quit out of the game and reload it, continue, and then go back in, and then then it'll allow you to like talk to the person or whatever. That that happened to me a couple of times, but I just I all I did was turn off the mission, deactivate the mission, reactivate the mission, and I was able to do it. Okay, that's good to know. Um. And then lastly, there was one mission where I was had to fight two snap maws and two burrowers and two snap maws. There was a flooded city where you had to help find some of the missing villagers. And one of the snap maws somehow disappeared in the action of everything. So I killed all the machines except for that one snap maw and I couldn't continue with the mission. The game does a really good job of auto-saving within a mission. So if anything like that ever happens, just exit out of the game, go back to the main menu, hit continue, and then it'll bring you back to where you were. You might have to fight the machines again. I had to fight both snap maws and the burrowers again. But it will reset you, and it'll keep your current progress on the the mission really well. So, the game does auto save very very well. Yeah, the one thing I noticed, uh, which is just a problem for me, is because I'm playing the game on the easiest uh, difficulty, uh, just because I I wanted to do the story and you know enjoy the game. I noticed that when I close out the game and then I restart it, like I didn't put in suspend mode, like I I played a different game or I turned off the the system. When I reload the game, it automatically puts me back on normal difficulty. Because I'll go in, and I'll fight, I'll fight a, a, you know, a machine, and I'm like, this is taking a lot longer, and I'm not doing as much damage. Then I go in, and I realize, oh, the difficulty never changed, and it took me like three, four times to figure that out. Yeah, we should note that 
there is no difficulty trophy in this game. You can just play it on whenever you want. And well, you, Tricky, you talked about like enjoyment of the game and the story, but don't you think that playing it on the easiest setting? I don't know how easy it is, but fighting the machines and struggling against the machines is part of the fun. So do you feel like that takes away from the game experience any? Like just putting on kind of easy mode and just blasting through the game? No, because I'm not actually killing the the machines that quickly. It's not like I'm one shotting them. It's it it's an actual battle. It's just it, instead of me sitting there, you know, trying to get the uh, uh, elemental damage on them or whatnot, I'm able to go in and actually fight it. But it's still, you know, a little bit of a, you know a fight. It's not like I'm going in and just slaughtering everything. I'm not on god mode. It's actually, you know, I'm actually doing a lot of uh, hard work with it. So, okay, because there was one mission that I did where I had to fight a behemoth that was going to attack a town soon, and some of the rebels had, you know, acquired the help of behemoth by overriding it, and that thing, just in the the space they gave you to fight it, it was it was wrecking me real roughly, and I was like, oh, one behemoth, I can take this down, and no, not I. I mean, I eventually did, but I it, I died two or three times. I was like, Jesus Christ, this thing is unloading on me. Yeah, so, some things, it's, uh, I just fought, uh, a Fire Claw, an Apex Fire Claw, and that battle took me about 5-10 minutes to do. Yeah, that is one thing also, I think they balance difficulty in this game really well, because I'm, you know, Elden Ring, the, you know, the, the elephant in the room, that's not my kind of difficulty, because again, I said I played Bloodborne, and I'm just not down with the From Software games when it comes to their difficulty, if you are. That's great. I, I totally get it. It's not for me, but I think that this is more in line with my sense of what difficulty should be because I am struggling with the combat. You know, it, it's never, you know, it's never super frustrating. It, you know, it's just I'm determined to do it and I am having fun. But I think that Horizon does balance the difficulty of the machines well because the machines aren't stupid. You know, I've seen some of the human enemies in this game and they're, they can be kind of stupid sometimes. Other times they're incredibly fierce. But overall, the machines are, you know, when it comes to their combat prowess, they'll, they'll, fuck you up without a second thought and like they you know it's hard to catch them off guard a lot you know they'll if you're in the area a lot of times they'll know it all right uh let's get into our uh, oh and the only thing i'm playing is horizon uh i really haven't had time to play anything else and horizon has definitely kept my attention i didn't even play rock band this week which probably our bandmates are probably upset about yeah i don't know you're the one that's that always complains about that the most. You're always cursing at yield for not playing rock band twenty four hours a day. Well, I I don't cur- I haven't cursed at it for a while, and all I said was I wanted to show up to band practice. Which you know, I can't. I, I'll be a hypocrite if I said show up to band practice. I'll do it myself. All right, so let's get into our stories. Our first topic we have is coming from IGN, as of all our stories are. Alright, our first story is Gotham Knights finally has a release date. It is going to be coming out October 25th of this year. Uh, I I don't know if you guys are interested in this or Suicide Squad or are you guys over the Batman games. Where are you guys falling on Gotham Knights and uh, the Suicide Squad game? I actually just finally watched the trailer because I really... Suicide Squad looks interesting, but I'm not like here. I'm going to pre-order it yet. Gotham Knights, I was the same way. I saw the trailer. Looks interesting. But I'm still, not even from the trailer, has it sold me to rush out and pre-order it. I'm just kind of like, that looks interesting. 
Alright, this is Gotham Knights. What about Suicide Squad? The same I'm I'm the same way. It looks interesting, but it hasn't made me decide yeah, I want to buy it. Alright. And Alex? Yeah, I'm I don't know. I don't know if it's superhero fatigue or what, but I never picked up Avengers. I never played Guardians of the Galaxy, which you know I heard is very good. And as far like the last Batman game I played was Arkham City. And I, I honestly I don't really know if it's just I have superhero fatigue and I just don't care to play any of those games right now. But I mean there's no shortage of good of those of good games, so maybe it's just I don't want I mean if there's an X Men game coming out soon, uh you better believe. And I don't mean the Wolverine game, I mean an X Men game. I would definitely be in line for it. But you know, I've skipped the Spider Man games recently, so I mean I don't know. I'm just not on train with the superhero video games at the moment, despite how good the quality has been. All right. Uh, Gotham Knights is, uh, I mean, obviously I'm going to play it, but I'm more interested in the Suicide Squad game. Uh, maybe that's because of Harley. I don't know, but. You know. I, I, I'm I'm upset Tara Strong is not doing the voice. Let's put it that way. But Samoa Joe is doing the voice of. Samoa Joe. Shark. Samoa Joe is doing the voice of King Shark. Oh, I thought that you had fucked up the name, and I was like, wait a minute, did you actually mean Samoa Joe? Yeah, Samoa Joe. Alright, our next story, uh, Yield, I put this in for you. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is getting Mandalorian and Rogue One DLC on day one. Uh, this is coming from IGN, is written by Ryan Tinsdale. Uh, it's getting extended universe DLC, including content from The Mandalorian and Rogue One. Nintendo Everything reports that the game is even getting seven DLC packs in total based on the films and series outside the main saga, available for purchase individually or collectively in the Character Collection Season Pass. Two packs will be available to everyone uh, when it launches on April 5th, including two characters from the first season of The Mandalorian and Solo, uh, a Star Wars story. The former includes five characters, including the Mandalorian himself, who comes with a non-playable Grogu, Plus, Grief Karga, Cara Dune, IG-11, and I can't even pronounce the last one, Q-U-I-I. Q yeah, that, that, that was the, the uh, love interest, so to speak, of Solo when they, before he kind of went off on his own. Okay. I forget how they say her name. Kira, Kyra, something like that. Yeah, it, it's weird. Well, are you sure? Because that's coming from the Mandalorian. The solo pack is including Han Solo, a young Chewbacca, young Lando Calrissian, Kira, which I think is the one you were just talking about, Tobias Beckett, and Nephias Nest. Two further DLC packs, including the classic characters and troop packs, will be available on day one as well, but by only oh, by pre-order. Krill. Krill. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how they say it, Krill. But there's no R. I know, but that's kind of... Or Quill... Maybe it's, it's Quill. Either way, I mean, I'm sure that people know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I do uh, now. Two further DLCs, the classic characters and trooper packs will be available on day one as well, but only by pre-ordering the game through participating retailers. Though publisher TT Games didn't announce where. They'll, they'll be made available to everyone through the season pass or individual purchase on April 19th and May 4th, respectively. The classic characters pack includes Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Darth Vader, and Lando Calrissian. And the trooper pack includes a Death Trooper, Incinerator Trooper, Range Trooper, Imperial Shore Trooper, and Mimban Store Trooper. 
Also available on April 19th is the Rogue One pack that comes with a bunch of characters. I'm not even going to say because like, when it comes to Star Wars names, it's hard to pronounce. Uh, the last two packs. When you're a be- noob. Okay, so you you say all those names then. I don't have a list of those names in front of me, and I'm not pulling it up. See, yeah. You need to call somebody out when you're not willing to do it yourself. Uh, and there's going to be also two more packs available on May 4th. So, Yield, uh, only a couple of days away from getting this. Are you excited? I mean, I, I'm excited to play LEGO Star Wars again, but I'm not like... I'm, oh my! Oh my God! It's going in my system day one because I'm playing Horizon. So, how did you? I do. I do have a question for Yield. It's been on my mind here. Uh, so, Yield, you mentioned that sometimes Horizon feels like, or Horizon Forbidden West feels like Horizon 1.5. Yeah. What I don't understand is that, like the Lego games, you've played so many of the Star Wars Lego games before, and we assume that a lot of it's going to carry over to this one. What makes this game, knowing that they're repeating, retreading a lot of the same ground, which I think you could say is Star Wars, Lego Star Wars 1.5. 1.5, yeah. Where, like, where is the excitement coming from this game? Like, I know you like Star Wars and I know you like Lego games, but I just, I don't understand, like, how they can keep putting out, like, okay, we're going to cover episodes 1 through 6 again, and you're going to get the Skywalker Saga too. Like, are you really that excited to play through episodes 1 through 6 again when you've already done that in Lego games before? Uh, actually, yeah. I, I, I like Star Wars, I like Legos, so I'm going to give it a whirl. Hopefully it doesn't suck. I'm interested to see how they're going to tie in, because none of the Lego or Star Wars Lego games have ever had voice acting. Granted, I'm sure they'll just cut in the voices from the movie, so they're not really hiring voice actors. So. Alright. Yeah, I, I just, it's... It's, uh... Like, you know, for all the other Lego games, they've kind of just made, I think, well, did they make more than one Lego Indiana Jones collection, or are they just making one? No, they made two, well, they, they, uh, what they made? Did they, they include Kingdom and the Crystal Skull in a second one? The second one, yes, they did. And that's when, that's when they started with the whole, uh, I believe that was the first one that they had really, like, a hub world, where you could walk around, and then you could start off with Raiders of the Lost Ark, no, I want to go over here to the Last Crusade, and... So okay, I mean, I if you're excited to play it, then I'm I'm happier getting the the game. It's just I've kind of always looked at it and been like, man, we're retreading the Star Wars the same Star Wars ground again. Wouldn't it be you know, I'm sure they could make a Lego game out of just the Skywalker saga and just let you play through those three movies. And I don't know, it's it's just I don't know I don't know if I would have bought that though. Well, I know you you weren't super keen on the uh, the new they're the sequels we'll call them as you know a lot of people lodge their complaints against the, the Disney Star Wars movies. Um, but I mean, there had to be parts of those and characters within those that you did like. <sighs> Not any of the new ones. Okay, well, that so that doesn't kill like some because that's the new part in this game is the the Skywalker it's saga, and that's actually yeah. the part you're least will least looking for looking forward to playing. You're you're right. I I, I would much rather play the the uh, the first six. Now, who knows? Ten years down the road, maybe I'll think of it differently. I just don't think they... Personally, I don't think they developed any of the three main characters very well. Well, I mean, in episode... We don't want to get too far on this, but in episode seven, they clearly had to rely on the older characters to bridge the gap because 
Which was expected. Yeah, it's it's Star Wars. You need those characters to help bring the older generation into this newer generation of films. But, uh, oh, on-topic question, but a little side ramp. What did you guys think of the – I went to the uh, – me and Ashley and the kids went to the Louisville Arcade Expo yesterday here in, in Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, what they had a bunch of pinball machines, a bunch of arcade machines, merch booths and all that kind of stuff. But they had a whole bunch of Mandalorian pinball machines. What did you all think about that? I thought that was cool. Well, to, I, be honest, I, to be honest, I really didn't uh, read the text messages because I was at work. So. Now, oh, okay. Now you're actually working. Working in the salt mines, I guess, from the pictures that you sent us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but they had, it was cool because they had all, like every single one had different art for it. You know, like still Mandalorian characters, but a lot of it was different artwork. The price tag, though, the price for each one of those machines was $8,850. Yeah, no thank you. You know, most most classic arcade cabinets you'll pay, it seems like, between one and 2000 I mean, granted, there are going to be more rare ones you'll have to pay more for, but $8,000, well, almost $9,000 for a pinball machine seems crazy. That That is crazy. But if you're a Star Wars fan, don't you kind of have to get it? Well, a... A certain level of Star Wars fan, I guess. If you're the biggest Star Wars fan, imagine Yield having a star, your basement dedicated to Star Wars and just having that and being the like a humongous flex all over your Star Wars buddies. I mean, that would be totally awesome. But if I had ex- the expendable income, then absolutely $9,000 doesn't mean a thing. But since I don't have expendable income, $9,000, they're freaking nuts. Touche. Yeah, no, it was a nice, it was a nice <laughs> machine, and it was, I mean, it was fun to play. It's kind of like all pinball machines. I don't really, honestly, I mean, I do gravitate towards the machines, like the Ghostbusters machines and the TMNT machines and the, the the franchises that I like. But in the end, like, aren't pinball machines, like, mostly the same, kind of? You're, you're Basically, doing, I mean, they, they have different, ra- different ramps, different triggers, but yeah. I mean, granted, I would rather have the Adams Family pinball machine as opposed to, like, a My Little Pony pinball machine, but you know, still you, know you want the My Little Pony. What? You know you want My Little Pony. No, I'd rather have Gomez and Morticia Adams on the front of my my pinball machine than whatever's going on in that universe. I was always a fan of a uh, Elvira pinball machine. Yeah, you like the the dark, sinister women, tricky. The ones that the the ones that might kill you in your sleep. She also she also had two very big assets. What are those, Tricky? Moving on. Moving on. Uh, we've talked about movie update ap- adaptations and also TV shows. Uh, just a little past your topic, I guess we can talk about it a little bit. God of War TV series is coming to Amazon Prime Video. I just don't see this working. Maybe that's because I haven't played the series, but I just don't see this working. It's also worth noting they are also making a Fallout TV series. Um, so, and that's going to star uh, Walton Goggins. I don't know if you guys know who that is. I know who Walter Goggins is. I mean, he's pretty recognized, not na- not name wise, but like when you see his picture, he's pretty recognizable. Yo, do you ever watch uh, The Shield? No. Justified. Not really. Did you watch um, the second uh, Ant-Man movie? No. You're killing me. 
Google, I'm just saying. Google him and you'll 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 instantly go. Oh, okay, I know who that is. Probably, but I'm like I said, I I just I don't see Fallout or God of War really making a good TV series. What about Mass Effect? Uh, I the premise of space, possibly, but how do you make a space horror game a TV show without taking away the jump scares? Uh, Hold on, uh, is Christopher Judge in any way affiliated with the show? I do not believe so. Well, he's the voice of Kratos. So, well, so, so was uh, what's his face, the guy from uh, Living Single? Okay, but who, T- who, who has T- done T. it more? T.K. Carson, I think is his name. Has he done it more than Christopher Judge? He did it in all the other games. Christopher Judge has only done it in the last game. Oh. Kratos has one of those voices that's very distinct, so if whoever they get to play him is going to have to get it spot on, if they, uh, th- like, that's one of the small things you got to get right, but, I mean, we have Prime, so I can definitely watch it, and I'll probably check it out when it comes on, but, I I mean, I you know, granted, we've seen, you know, TV shows like In Line with Game of Thrones do really well with big set pieces, you know. Previously, you would have thought, oh, big set pieces, big expensive scenes, like, you would have to do that in a movie. Something like Uncharted, but I, uh, I don't know. The formula could work, you know, with the the gods and the big monsters and all that kind of stuff within a video format or a TV TV format, and you would get more like a season. You would get eight to ten episodes, you would think, and that's like what eight to ten hours. You know, with that as much lore and game as games there have been in the God of War series, you would probably need more of a television format than a movie format anyway. So it could work if they were willing to put the money behind it. I'm looking at uh, fan speculations. They're saying uh, Jason Momoa for Kratos. He certainly has the look. Has uh, I brought it up. Has anyone seen the Uncharted movie? I have no. not. I want to see it. I mean, eventually I want to see it. I don't want to pay theater prices to, to go see Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland run around as Sully and Nate, but... Uh, Again, I have issues with casting that movie, so that's that's probably why I'm I'm less willing to go spend that money on it, but... Alright, so just you know, just just for uh shits and giggles, uh here's some other people people here's some other people that fans have suggested would make a good Kratos. Tom Hardy. No. I'd rather go Jason Momoa. Uh Batista. Don't think he's got the booming voice. I don't know, but he did. He was he was Drax, and Drax is kind of similar to Kratos in look, at least. Uh, Triple H. No. Yeah. See, the thing about Triple H though is you don't know. I would rather have Batista than Triple H. I mean, Batista. So I would. Yeah. But I would go with that, especially because Triple H with the health health issues he's had. Apparently, like there's talk that he may never return to WWE in any capacity. Nah, which, I heard that too. Yeah. Which would be which would suck, but I don't I don't think he would think he would you know I would wouldn't want him scraping. Have you ever seen Triple H's acting? You ever seen Blade Three? Him as Jarko Grimwood? It wasn't good. It wasn't good. So no, I would rather go with Batista on that. All right, and the one person that everybody seems to agree that should not play Kratos is The Rock. No, you mean the old Scorpion King? Uh, one fan wrote The Rock would make Kratos corny. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, 
Honestly, I, I I don't think it needs to be like necessarily a big big star. It could just be. I'm sure there's someone on the earth that you know that is lesser known that could play Kratos would be better than the Rock. I anyway, I mean the Rock. I mean, yes, all those people are well known, but the Rock. I mean, he been in some serious movies, been in some funny movies. I don't know. He's just kind of one of those guys that he's got a lot to do, and he's been in tons of movies. So I don't think we need to see him in everything, and I think that. Steering away from him as as Kratos would probably be a good thing. I don't think he needs to be Kratos. He just he wouldn't look like Kratos to me. Like I could see Batista looking like Kratos. I can't see The Rock, Dwayne, good old Dwayne Johnson looking like Kratos. It would just be like The Rock in Greek times or in Norse times, whichever one they want to do. All right, now we got to go into a topic and yield. I'm telling you right now, I want you to respond first. Because I know how you feel about all these, uh, th- this already, but I just want you to have the first shot at this. Uh, pricing for GTA 5 and GTA Online has been announced for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series versions, and there are no free upgrades being offered. Now, this is going to be a little confusing to some people, so just follow me along. As far as the PS5 goes, GTA 5 for the PS5 will be 75% off for the first three months of launch, of launch priced at $10. After three months, the game will cost $40. This version of the game includes a single-player story mode and GTA Online. The standalone version of GTA Online for the PS5 will be completely free for the first three months of release. After three months, the standalone game will cost you $20. As far as the Xbox Series versions, GTA 5 for the Series X S will be 50% off for the first three months, priced at $20, so $10 more than the PS5 version. After three months, the game will cost you $40, which is the same price on the PS5. Xbox versions of GTA Online will not be free at launch, but on sale for three months for $10, and then after three months, the standalone game will cost $20, which is the same price as the PS5. Can they make this any more confusing, Yield? Yes, they can. Uh, it just would have been more simpler to leave it off this generation of consoles. That's all you got to say? Well, it, it's absolutely... It's, it's dumb. I'll just come out and say that. I was going to use another word, but it's dumb. You don't... You had it for the three. You've had it for the four. But you don't need this on the five. Use your resources. Make a new game. Don't bring us Grand Theft Auto 5 again. Make Grand Theft Auto 6. Make Red Dead 3. Make, I don't know, something new. Well, they are making GTA 6. I know, but make something new. Don't. I. People are going to buy it because, in the words of Donnie, gamers are stupid. Um, But. I just, I, I think this is absolutely just asinine. All right, what do you think about, I mean, just... And, our- and, and, and it's so cheap, because they want you to be like, oh, it's only 10 bucks, I'll buy it. Oh, it's free. I'll take it right now. Well, I, I, I just argument saying, let's say you were interested in buying this. What do you think the reason that the Xbox version is $10 more for three months... I mean, do you think it's because Sony cut a deal with Rockstar or what? Probably. 
an exclusivity deal, probably. All right. Uh, Alex, the floor is yours. My biggest issue with, like, upgrades and stuff like that is... My biggest issue is it, it needs to be clear. We need to have a, a standard thing going forward. I mean, Sony's tried to do that. It, granted, we've got all these publishers and all these developers, and, and having a standard on how to handle these upgrades is probably a little bit too much to ask. And, and you know, once we get away from the PS4 and the Xbox One and all this, we get further into the current generations, then, you know, it was like less, less likely to be a problem because you're not going to have a lot of these upgrades unless, you know, a lot of these companies are looking to resurrect games from the four and be like, oh, that's a better experience on the five or the, on the Xbox Series X. So, you know, here, pay you an upgrade and you can play your PlayStation 4 game on or your Xbox One game on this, yeah, but just a better version. I just want something that's standard that you know going forward that, like with Sony, all the games upgrades from now on are going to be $10 on the five to upgrade from the four to the five. And that's the, I like that because. I, like I said before, I don't have an issue paying the extra $10 because I'm going to pay $70 on the PlayStation 5 anyway, so I'm paying the same amount anyway. Just just make it standard so I know what to expect. Don't be like, this game is this way, and this game you have to have a compass to decode this, or like ancient hieroglyphics to decode how you have to upgrade. No, just make it standard. Make it as easy as you can and don't have all these different hoops we got to jump through to understand how much we need to pay to upgrade these games if we if we choose to upgrade the games. I agree. All right. Uh, moving on to our next topic, which uh, is going to be the state of play that just happened. We had a 20-minute uh, show broadcasted, streamed over the internet, and they focused on a bunch of games. Now, I only put three games on here. Uh that I figured we'd want to talk about because I didn't think the other ones would be too uh, interesting, but let, uh, we'll go through them real quick. Capcom has revealed X Primordial, which is coming to the PS4 and PS5 in 2023. Ghostwire Tokyo got a new trailer ahead of the launch later this month. A new demo for Stranger of Paradise, a Final Fantasy origin, was available. Uh, we got new gameplay shown for Forspoken, which got delayed from May 25th to October 11th. Gundam Evolution Western, uh, release has been confirmed. Uh, a network test is coming out. TMNT, the Cowabunga Collection announced for 2022. Uh, Kaiju Brawler Ginga Bash is coming to the PS5 and PS4 this year. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Fighting Game is coming later this year. We have a black and white samurai adventure called Trek to Yomi. That was the most that was the most interesting game I thought I saw during the whole thing. Uh Returnal is uh, is getting a co-op campaign called Ascent and also getting an Ascension campaign coming later this month. Square Enix has announced a new RPG called The Diofield Chronicle. Valerie Elysium is re- Valkyrie. Val- uh, what did I say? Valerie I'm sorry. Valkyrie Elysium has been re- uh, is coming out for the PS4 and PS5. Uh, those were all the announcements. I figured the ones we were going to talk on was X Primordial. X Primordial. I now why I can't say that name. Exo Prime Primal. Uh, there you go. Exo Primal. What did you guys think of this game? 
Uh, it uh, is. I'm sorry. I, no, I was gonna say it, it looked interesting at first. Not didn't sell me on it. Um, and then the, when the portal opened up and dinosaurs were just pouring in, I was kind of like, oh, don't know how I feel about that. I actually kind of it it took away for me from the experience of what they were trying to build. And so I was kind of a more than likely I'm going to pass on this. I wasn't excited as your opening game trailer that you're going to show, but I'll keep an eye on it because it, you know, dinosaurs always look interesting, but I was just kind of like, okay. A lot of people are upset that this wasn't a new Dino Crisis game. You know, you can't always get what you want. Alex, what do you think about uh, this game? I did not watch the state of play. You didn't miss anything, let me tell you. Yeah, I pretty much saw the only two things that I wanted to see, which were the new campaign for Returnal. I am glad they're coming out with that, Ascension, because it's nice to see that, you know, Sony said they were happy with the, the sales of the game, and, you know, they've always referred to it as a hit, and, you know, them producing DLC for the game shows that, you know, they, you know, they believe in the game and they believe in the number of people that want to play more of this game. So it's always good to see. And as someone who enjoyed that game, like I've got my platinum trophy now and, you know, jumping back into Returnal, like, sure, I'd like some more arcade style action. So once I finish Horizon, you know, whenever this does come out, I'm sure I'll be ready for more, more punishment. And then uh, the Calbunk collection, Teenage Mutant Turtles. I'm a lifelong Turtles fan. I actually, at the Louisville Arcade Expo, I started collecting the Ninja Turtles, the NECA Turtles in Time series of their their figures. So you've got like the Turtles and Bebop and Rocksteady as Pirates, Leatherhead. You've got Slash, Shredder, and Baxter Stockman. So I bought Baxter Stockman and the Bebop and Rocksteady 2-pack, which ran me about 95 bucks. That's expensive. So uh, I'm a big Turtles fan, so I'm very excited to get to play the Calbunk collection or have access to, you know, the Manhattan collection or the Turtles arcade game, you know, the and uh, the Turtles arcade game, Turtles 2 for... NES being able to play, I've got Turtles in Time and I've got a Super Nintendo, but, you know, just being having access to that on newer generations and just being easy to, you know, oh, I'm playing Rocket League. Well, now I'm going to switch and play some of the Calabunk collection. I just, I love that. And I'm, like I said, it's the best thing Konami's put out in probably 20 years. All right. Well, Alex kind of spoiled the other two things we're going to talk about, but let's, uh, let me give you the full list of what's in the Calabunk collection. We have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade version. Uh, Turtles in Time, which is the arcade version. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the NES version. TMNT 2, the arcade game, which is the Nintendo version. The Manhattan Project, uh, Nintendo version. Turtles of Time, SNES. Hyperstone Heist from the Genesis. Fall of the Foot Clan from the Game Boy. Back from the Sewers from the Game Boy. Radical Rescue from the Game Boy. And Tournament Fighters from the NES and SNES and Genesis. Which... Um, I don't know why we need three versions of the game. Was there three different versions of Tournament Fighters? Yeah, Tournament Fighters for the Nintendo, obviously, I mean, graphically it was much different, but the Genesis version and the SNES version had different fighters in them. So I think all the games had different... I mean, obviously you're going to have the Turtles in there, but there was variation with um, the the fighters that were in the games. So the, they, they were different versions, yes. Okay, the Calabog Collection also includes local and online co-op including for games for uh, TMNT 2, the arcade game TMT 3, the Manhattan Project, and TMT Turtles in Time. The Hyperstone Heist will have local multiplayer. So 
Those are what the games that are involved in that. Now let's step over to Returnal, as Alex was already talking about. Uh, this is coming from Re- Rebecca Valentine. Returnal will be getting a free update later this month that includes a major, new major challenge as well as the ability to play co-op with a friend. Returnal's Ascension Update 3.0 drops on March 22nd and will feature both online camp- campaign co-op as well as a new survival mode called the Tower of Sisypus? S-I-S-Y-P-H-U-S. Sisyphus? Sure. As per the PlayStation blog, co-op mode will be accessed through a portal near the crash landing, as well as other select parts of the game. You can either host a co-op game or join another public one, or host or join a private game with a friend. Players will be tethered together to prevent them from getting too far apart and can revive one another if downed. Game progression is tied to the host. The tower is effectively an endless survival game mode where you try to climb as high as you can with challenging... Challenges and enemies getting more difficult the higher you get. Each phase of the tower culminates in a battle that pro- gets progressively harder as well, and scores will be tracked on a leaderboard. The tower also includes some new narrative content. Notably, the tower cannot be done in co-op. A few story moments are also a, a few story moments are solo only as well, but the majority of the game seems to be available to play alongside a friend. A welcome assistance given how tough Returnal can be. So, Alex, this is your chance to talk on it because I think you're the only one that's played Returnal so far. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna need some help, bitches. So somebody go get this game. Um No, I when it says, you know, it talks about it being a kind of a how far can you go with the, the resistance being increasingly difficult. Man, how hard is it gonna be from the start? Because you know, I mean, there were some enemies in Returnal that were kind of pushovers, you know, once you, 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 you got used to the game, once you got acclimated to the game and the planet and, and the inhabitants. But for the most part, a lot of those enemies, oh god, it was rough. So I wonder how they're going to balance the difficulty in this so that people can actually get, you know, further than five rooms or, you know, can add, can add a tower that they can actually ascend, you know, further than five rooms up the ladder. But, uh, does it have a price? Did they announce a price for it? Uh, they, I think it's a free update. Isn't it? Oh, excellent! Even better. See, I mean, there's like if you've got uh, Returnal, there's there's no uh, there's no entry fee, so there's no point in not trying it out. I will say that I am a little worried about the trophies because I think that the uh, if it's going to be a survival tower, then the trophies are probably going to be pretty damn hard that they add in for the DLC. But going to take away my hundred percent. Can't take away my platinum, but gonna take away my hundred percent. Well, they can't take away your hundred percent if you don't update the game. Too bad auto updates. No, what if he deletes it off his system? No, no, no. If if somebody uh, when it goes to the PlayStation uh, ecosystem, like if you go look at his trophies, it will not show one hundred percent. Oh, okay. I'm I'm sorry. I tried, Alex. You tried. Yeah, I mean. I don't want them to take my 100%, but again, like I said, I want them to support this game, because I, from all that we've heard, it, it seems like they're going to move to a new game, and they're not going to do, like, a Returnal 2 or anything like that, which is perfectly fine, you know, but it's nice to see them support the game, because you, you know, 
what has come out of the Sony relationship with Housemark and them eventually buying Housemark, you want to know that it's a success, especially for me because I'm a huge Housemark fan and I want to know that the risk they took to make this game, you know, until you decide to become part of a much larger company, that it paid off. And I want to know that they are, you know, proud of their work and they're happy with it. You know, they've won, you know, numerous awards at both the Game Awards and at DICE. So game has been a success and I just, I like to see them support it, to continue to support it, you know, even if I got a sacrifice my my hundy my hundy percent my benjamin franklin to get it all right we've come to yield's favorite part of the show time to check my social media first i want to give a shout out to homer who posted a question uh because I obviously keep forgetting. I'm going to give that job to Yield every week. Yield, every Sunday you need to post that we're recording later. Yeah, okay. I, I know you love uh, social media. Uh, I'll probably forget about that too. <laughs> All right, so question coming from Homer says, uh, with the recent news of the Cowabunga collection being announced, it reminded me of all the great co- couch co-op games that I grew up with yesteryear. What are your guys' favorite couch co-op games growing up? Uh, Harold on the Facebook group said Contra, and Curtis said TMNT arcade game and Turtles in Time. Not the couch, uh, not on the couch. Too much later, but Simpsons and X Men arcade games growing up. So, Alex, we'll start with you. Well, yeah, Turtles in Time. My stepbrother and I play on Super Nintendo was a huge one for us. Also, Super Double Dragon and Battletoads and Battle Maniacs all on the Super Nintendo co-op brawlers. Co-op beat 'em ups, loved them. Um, so that was a big part of my my childhood as well, and part of the reason why I like Turtles so much. The arcade games like Simpsons and uh, and the X Men. Was it Curtis who mentioned that? Uh, Curtis mentioned Turtles in Time and X Men and X Men Arcade. Yes. Yeah, but he didn't say the Simpsons as well. He said Simpsons as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, here's a little story. My stepbrother and I actually we were at the we took a trip to San Diego and we're staying at the Hotel Del Coronado. You know. We live in Kentucky and we're at the beach for vacation and for like a good portion of the day, my stepbrother and I would pour in quarters into the Simpsons machine out there, the arcade machine, because we wanted to beat the Simpsons. So instead of going to the beach, we were actively just trying to beat the Simpsons. But yeah, those co-op beat-em-ups in the arcade and Super Nintendo era were huge for me as far as co-op goes. And then um, also like in the GameCube PS2 era... I guess we'll also throw the Xbox in there. A game like Time Splitters. My my friends and I, we would jump on there and do some co-op against just the the computer on the uh, the Mexican mission in the ice station at Time Splitters Two. So that uh, yeah, mostly beat 'em ups, but uh, even some shooter goodness in there with with Time Splitters Two. All right, uh, yield. So I like uh, like you know Contra Jackal. Uh, uh, Operation Wolf. I like the old NES couch co-ops like that. Okay. I didn't really play much couch co-op growing up because my brother and my sister weren't much into video games as much as I were. So I as you were that much as they were as I were. I, I don't know. I, I'm stuffed up. I don't know if you guys can hear. Uh, yeah, they didn't play as much as I did, so I really didn't do much couch co-op growing up. Yeah, why weren't they as cool as you? Um, I don't know. 
Never thought I would say that. Why weren't your siblings as cool as you, Trading Mate? I don't know. All right, and uh, we got our resident troll uh, asking the question. Daryl wants to know, uh, now that Daryl has passed his, his exam, congratulations, Daryl, I know that was stressed on you, and it's officially uh, an MLO. Anybody know what an MLO is? We should have Daryl on to explain what it is. Well, that, didn't that have to do with underwriting? Hold on. Well, call Daryl. I want to show right now. See if he picks up. And then we're going to hang up on him after he gives his answer. That's so mean. So we'll take relationship with Daryl. Mortgage loan officer. That's what he was going for. That is what it is, because I remember him saying it had to do with banks. See, you just don't pay attention. Well, I, I try not to pay attention to a lot of things Daryl says. Yes, you have reached the voicemail of Daryl Ellisor. If you could please leave your name, number, and callback information, I will get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you. At the tone, please record your message. When you finish recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. See, Daryl, you had an opportunity to be on Trophy Horrors Live, but, you know, you don't want to pick up your phone, so uh, I got two words for you. Suck it. All right, so back to the show. You got to give uh, a space in between. Did you not watch enough of the New Age Outlaws growing up? I was trying to get you know, him off the show as quick as possible. I don't want to give him too much recognition. Uh, his question is, how in the world is Tricky going to keep up with him beating so many more games than Tricky? Yeah, how are you going to keep up? I'm going to let you guys answer first. He's probably going to go spam, uh, Rat Plats. He can't do that. We have the, we have the deal for the year. I know you have the deal for the year, but that's how I'm saying you're going to cope. Oh, you think I'm going to, you think I'm going to crack? Right, well, we've already said that. Well, I, again, I saw Tricky with a cigarette in his mouth while we were just jumping, before recording, when he was just on camera. So he's smoking in the house now. He doesn't care. He's he's given up. He is he is so stressed about this non-Rat Platt thing that he's got to have, you know, he's probably smoking four packs a day at this point. I'm smoking right now. Is, is, is the child there? No. I'm not talking about Grogu. I, I, I'm talking your child. No. She, uh... I, I do not smoke in the house when she's here. Well, that's good, but otherwise you don't mind if your sm your house smells like cigarettes all the time? What? Uh, well, I mean, in my defense, I don't smell it. So. Right now, because you sound like a Muppet with your stopped-up nose? Or all the time? Well, no, I, I don't smell no, it. No, you don't, you don't smell it when you live in a house like that. Trust me, I know. Fair enough. When, when I quit, I, I was disgusted by the smell of cigarettes. Eventually, you can start to smell it. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, as far as how am I gonna how am I gonna deal with it? This year, I've resigned myself to uh, not care if anybody gets more platinums or beats more games. I'm enjoying my time. Obviously, I mean, I could go and beat Horizon in 20 minutes. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yield. Did I just hear him correctly? He's enjoying his time, not rat spamming. You mean 
that he that's what it sounded like he said but i don't think that was tricky i think that was he actually enjoys playing video games for the sake of playing video games and not just getting cheap ass trophies i've always enjoyed playing video games for the sake of playing video games i just rat spammed to shut daryl up here's the thing though but you haven't shut daryl up because he's still right near you and he's still talking shit yeah because daryl's able to play games like spongebob and beat games like that. Those are the games he's talking about beating. He's not beating any quality games. He's beating games like uh, the uh, video novel movies and SpongeBob, and he's playing Rango. He's not beating any quality games. He Daryl doesn't have the capacity to beat a game like Horizon. He doesn't have the capacity to beat a game like God of War. You're trying to use reverse psychology right now. I can see exactly what you're doing. No, I'm not. I, I'm dead serious. He plays shitty-ass games, and then goes, oh, I beat this game, or I beat that game. Yeah, go beat a real game. Go beat Ghost of Tsushima. Get the platinum in it. Didn't he just beat a Resident Evil? I think he just beat, posted he beat Resident Evil 4. Uh, okay. The backlog beatdown. I, I said I said good games, not shitty games. You do understand that that's kind of uh, revered as the best Resident Evil game of all time, right? Listen, you could polish a turn, but it's still a turn at the end. My point is, Tricky, is that you just admitted yourself that you rat spam trophies to get back at Daryl or to get Daryl to shut his mouth. So you're in lieu of playing good games that you enjoy playing. You just spend your time rat spamming to shut up Daryl. So are you wasting your time here, Tricky? No, because while I'm playing a game, I'm rat spamming on another system. One of my other PS5s. Imagine how fucking privileged <laughs> you sound that I'm playing on my current PS5 getting playing a game I want to play. While rat spamming on the other system. My god. Listen, when we did the first uh, trophy war, the one when we demolished the Loot Brothers, you know, we still don't have our trophies for, I had two Vitas, two PS3s, and two PS4s going at all times. And you still almost got beat by me. No. I'm just, I, I'm just putting that out there. You, you weren't even close to me. Uh, it, it took you the last day or two to pass me. Negative. Really? Because Alex and I all had you beat in platinums. Hold on. I, I, and then, I, and then I, the last couple of days, you come storming up out of nowhere. So don't sit there and tell me that I still, I still have the. Uh... <coughs> Excuse me. I know, I know you do. I just will have you know that I did not double up. Uh, double up on any games or trophies or platinums during that whole war. That's the wrong war. Trophy war. Wait. That's trophy. Okay, that's trophy war. Oh, here we go. Uh, So, yield. Yeah. The stats. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Total trophies... Uh, you started with 3,739 trophies during the war. Uh-huh. You got 35 in the first week. I got 77. You got 46 in the second week. I got 35. Yield, you got 77 trophies in the third week. I got 178. And in the fourth week, you got 97. I got 99. Uh, in the fifth week, you got 44. I got 125. So in total, you got 299 trophies on the war. I got 514. Oh, okay, so I was wrong on that one. Okay. Platinums. You started with 45 platinums. 
Uh-huh. I started with 48. The first week you got three Platinums, I got one. The second week you got no Platinums, I got one. Still ahead. Third week you got three, I got four. Tied. The fourth week you got three, I got four. And then the fifth week you got two, I got four. So in total you got 11 Platinums, I had 14. Yeah, like I said, it took you to the end to come storming back. The last two weeks is the end for you? Yes. We were tied in week three, and I... Uh, never mind. Uh, but just in total, you know, I want everybody to know, uh, we beat the Loot Brothers by 70 trophies and six Platinums by the end of the war, so... And, and, and the best part is they cheated, and they still lost. Because Frosty's wife had him get... Uh, had, uh, had Frosty had his wife getting trophies for him. And the other guys were trade off the controller to get Platinums that they couldn't earn themselves. So. Uh, okay. So, Daryl, I really don't give a shit. You can pass me right now. But in the end, I will get you. Because uh, January 1st, 2023. The gloves are off, my brother. So, with that being said, let's go into our topics of the week. Uh, we talked about this two weeks ago when we were, did our last show. Uh, Yield, you had a little bit of comment then. I'm sure you can have the same comment now. This is coming from IGN and it's written by Ryan Tinsdale. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy had a slow start for Square Enix as the publisher admitted the game initially underperformed when it launched in October of last year. During its latest financial briefing, Square Enix commented that despite receiving positive reviews, Guardians of the Galaxy's, quote, sales on launch, launch undershot our initial expectations, end quote. The game made up ground later, however, through different sales initiatives, such as store discounts that began in November. And Square Enix said that it intends to, quote, to work to continue to expand sales to make up for the title's slow start, end quote. Uh, this is sound a little familiar, guys. Uh, it does. It sounds just like Tomb Raider, except they're going to keep working with Guardians of the Galaxy to make up for it. Uh, so, Yield, I'm going to give you the floor. Is, is this a point of just Square Enix is having unrealis- unrealistic expectations? Absolutely. We said that for Tomb Raider, that I, I, I don't know what they were expecting. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, whoever's in that department who is... That man needs a promotion because you are upselling your butt off and they're buying it. So you, sir, need a promotion because you are a hell of a salesman. Alex? Yeah, it's, is it just me or do we when companies aren't happy with the sales of a game, they just don't talk about it? Because I feel like I don't hear this from many other game companies except for Square Enix. So maybe Square Enix is just honest about it. But... You got that? I think that's a good way to look at it. I, I feel like I haven't heard much on that on that front in recent times. Like, if, if a game underperformed, people don't say it. They just don't share the, the, the numbers, the sales numbers. This is just ludicrous to me that, like, it, it, it's got to be, I mean, I asked Yield the question, but it's got to be they're just not realistically expected what these games are going to sell. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure that they look at ticket sales. Or they they see how many people buy the movies and what how many people watch the Guardians of the Galaxy movie and then yes it is much more expensive to buy a video game about Guardians of the Galaxy than it is to go see a movie 
But I'm sure that they look at numbers and they can then be like, okay, well, I mean, this is an expensive license. It's a Disney thing. It's it's Marvel, so we're going to pay a lot of money to make a game based on these characters. But I'm sure they look at other forms of media and kind of gauge what they can expect to sell based on the interest in those characters. When you're dealing with a high price tag for the license, yeah, sure, I'm sure they overproject or they expect with you know, the the need to market the game or market the fact that you're making a game to get word out there so people are excited for it. I'm sure with all those costs and, you know, the cost to bring in voice actors and stuff like that, probably ratchet up the bill so they have they have to expect to sell more. I I I also like the, the word in that it initially un- underperformed, but it's gaining ground. Like it's it sounds like they're still not where they think the sales should be. And honestly, I'd be interested to hear like five years down the road after the game has been on sale numerous times and more and more people have a chance to play it, you know, by that point, you know, because you hear that a game is disappointment sales wise initially. And a lot of times it's like, you know, you look at it, it's like five years down the road. Well, is it the same case? Did that game make up the money that you thought it would? You know, did it have a longer tail than other games or, you know, just were there a lot of people out there? Who were like, you know what, I'm going to buy this when it's on sale. It's not really a main game I want to play. But, you know, when it's on sale, I'll buy it. So, I, I just want to hear the conversation five years later when it's like, oh yeah, well it eventually got to where we wanted it to. It's just, we we expected it to be a more of an upfront thing because Guardians of the Galaxy is so popular. Alright, okay. I, I'm going to have to call bullshit for a second here. Not on you, Alex. Yeah, we were about to fight. Um, I, I, uh, I got to go back to the the, uh, the first two lines. The first three lines of this article. Uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy had a slow start for Square Enix as the publisher admitted the game initially underperformed when it launched in October of last year. And then skipping uh, a a paragraph. Uh, The game made up ground later, however, through different sales initiatives, such as store discounts that began in November. Okay. Do you guys know what day Guardians of the Galaxy launched? No. October 26th. So they were upset for the sales for the... Liberty Day! They were upset for the sales in the first five days of its launch. But, oh, it made up in November. Anybody else see that as stupid as, as I do? I mean, it depends on what their sales expectations were. But, I mean, that does seem kind of stupid. I guess that because they were dealing with a Marvel property and everyone rushes out, or not everyone, but you get such a rush to go see those movies initially, the MCU movies and theaters, I guess they expected the same thing of the game. They they expected the, the game to sell in five days. Sell, sell how much? Well, that we don't have numbers, but I'm saying they're upset with the, when it launched in October, but five days later, in, in November, the game started picking up. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure that they expected to have a big boost from the fact that it was a Guardians of the Galaxy. Because, I mean, you think about it. Before Guardians of the Galaxy were part of the MCU, they were relative unknowns to most people, except for, you know, the, the tried and true comic readers. But most of us, even if you're fans of Marvel, didn't know a lot about, you know, Peter Quill and, and Groot and all these other characters. You know, once they're in the MCU, though, it, their popularity explodes. And, and obviously... Square Enix was expecting, based on that explosion of popularity, which is why they probably chose to work with the IP, 
that they were going to have bigger upfront sales. They thought that people would go out and buy, a ton of people would go out and buy it immediately. Like it was a game they had been waiting on. All right. So we got one more topic of the week. And I'm just saying I'm a little hesitant about talking about it. Uh, mostly because I still feel like I'm ignorant when it comes to uh, everything involved with it. But uh, talking to Alex and Yield, they uh, agree that we should talk about this. Uh, again, I don't want to get anything political about this. I don't want to you know, go too far down that rabbit hole. Um, but here we go. Coming from IGN and written by Rebecca Valentine. The headline reads, Sony PlayStation suspends software and hardware sales in Russia. Uh, It's a quick article, so I'm going to read it all. And I want you guys to go give it a click. So, you know, you give them the uh, respect that they deserve for writing this article. Uh, It goes, Sony has shared a statement with IGN saying it will be suspended all software and hardware sales in Russia due to its recent and ongoing invasion of Ukraine. Quote, Sony Interactive Entertainment joins the global community in calling for peace in Ukraine. We have suspended all software and hardware shipments, the launch of Gran Turismo 7, and the operations of the PlayStation Store in Russia to support humanitarian aid. Sony Group Corporation announces a $2 billion donation to the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees and the international international NGO Save the children to support the victims of this tragedy, end quote. Sony joins numerous other gaming companies denouncing the invasion and pulling sales from Russia, and in some cases, neighborhood Russian ally Belarus, Epic Games, CD Projekt Red, EA, Microsoft, Take-Two, Ubisoft, and plenty more have announced similar suspensions in the last week. Nintendo also delayed uh, Advance Wars 1-2 reboot camp due to the war. Similarly, Many companies have announced donations to other forms of support and aid, including a massive uh, bundle offering almost a thousand games for a minimum donation of ten dollars, which has already raised nearly three million dollars. So, gentlemen, um, I know that we've talked about this before the show, and I asked to save some of the comments for the show. I did put a post on uh, my personal Facebook page. Uh, asking people to explain this to me because it really doesn't make sense to me of why these companies would stop the sales of their products in Russia, which to me, it just seems like you're hurting the citizens and not uh, really trying to punish Putin. Uh, All three of us agree that Putin is an asshole and should not be doing what he's doing, and what he's doing is not only wrong, but immoral. Uh, I've been told that immoral is not a strong enough word. Uh, but we we all are against what Putin's doing. But as I said on the show and I said on my Facebook page, I don't see how these companies stopping the sales of their products in Russia is ultimately going to hurt Putin or get him to stop what he's doing. Because if he's going to do this uh, the way he's doing it now, I don't think anything as far as stopping the sale of McDonald's is going to stop Putin from doing what he's going to do. Uh, Yield, I want to give you the floor first because I know uh, you were, you know, you were helping me out before the show. So uh, I'm going to give you the floor first and I'm going to give it to Alex. Okay. So I I understand the logic behind it. Uh, 
or yeah, the logic behind it. Um, I think some of it is a mixture of you, you know, you're doing the right thing. Uh, some of it is PR stunt because uh, look, we're doing the right thing. It looks like we're doing the right thing. My ultimate thing is I, I if that's what you want to do, fine. I want to know what your end game is, meaning that a lot of people are we're suspending operations. Okay, so what happens if they win? In four months, six months, you're going to be like, okay, back we go. You know, that that did absolutely nothing other than throw moral support at Ukraine. So, I, I guess I, w- I would say that I wish instead of suspending, if you're going to cut ties, cut ties. You know, don't, don't walk up to the fence and, and go, oh yeah, hey, you're doing a good job. We're, you know, to the Ukraines and we support you, but you're not, you know, you're going to hurt them for a bit, but if they win, are you just going to go back and go where the money goes? So that's the only problem that I have with it. All right. You have anything else? Nope, that's it. All right, Alex, floor is yours. You know, I've heard a lot of the nations that you are looking to wean themselves off Russian gas and oil by the end of the year. You know, Biden has announced that he's, you know, stopping all imports of Russian gas and oil here in our country. And I think that it's a recognition that a lot of the countries in Europe are like, okay, well, Putin's doing this. Obviously, he's hey, – I, I can't say enough horrible words to describe what he's doing and how much of an asshole he is. But Europe is trying to get away from giving money through um, you know, trying to – uh, rely less on fuel sources from Russia because they don't want to give them as much money. They want to focus on, you know, having an unhinged asshole um, who wants to, you know, flop his dick out on the table and try to take over territory as, as far as some Russian empire or some Soviet empire. Like people in Europe see the right on the wall and they're like, we need to get away from this because one, we need to stop giving money to Russia right now so that they can't fund their war against Ukraine. And just in general, it's better for us to get away from that in the future, find other sources so we're not at the um, behest of someone like Putin, that Putin doesn't have as much control over us. So I think that a sign that this is more than just a PR move, and you know, Yield said that was part of it. Um, he's not the only person I've seen say that. I think it's not just a PR. I think that it's the world trying to do the right thing by supporting Ukraine because you've seen Na- like Putin wanted to, like Putin and other countries wanted to uh, they obviously hate the West, the Western culture, the Western civilization, and they want to try to drive a wedge in the West. And they, for a while there, you know, there was a wedge between the West. There were arguments between different countries. And now NATO has never been stronger and more unified. So what he's actually done is unified everybody in the West. You know, so I see it as more than PR because I think that the unification we've seen in NATO and the UN and people speaking out. Is it's not just a PR move. I think it's people genuinely trying to do the right thing because when you see images of hospitals being bombed, maternity wards, children's hospitals, who who wants to see that? Who think that's the right thing to do? Who think that's a good thing? You know, unless you're in Russia and you're being lied to by your media as they they try to control their media. So I, it's not just a PR move to me. I think they are trying to do the right th- trying to do the right thing. I think that we are trying to do the right thing, and our partners in NATO are trying to do the right thing without trying to send this into another world war. Um. So, 
for me, like, you know, Tricky, you mentioned that, like, yes, a lot of this is going to be towards hurting the people of Russia as opposed – it's trying to hurt the economy of Russia, which unfortunately means the people in Russia are also hurt by it. But they're also seizing the yachts of all the oligarchs who have power in Russia and who have ties to Putin. We're trying to do the best we can, like the best option. We can't just go in there and, you know, try to overthrow him. We've got to use less um, aggressive ways to do this. And the the way we've chosen to do it is economic sanctions. I mean, you see countries like Japan jumping on and sanctioning Russia. I mean, I don't know. I feel like the world's trying – and we're trying not to send everybody into a nuclear war and economic sanctions, like maybe not up front, but it, again, the key idea is you're hurting Russia's economy, which eventually you're trying to force domestic unrest within Russia, which will hopefully lead to Putin either stopping or him being removed from office. See, uh, what I said before the show, and again, I, I, I fully admit that I'm coming from a... Uh, an area of ignorance when it comes to this whole thing because I really haven't been paying attention to all the stories. But it, it's like in the article said they their PlayStation is stopping uh, Gran Turismo Seven from going to Russia. I kind of understand what they're trying to do, but as I pointed out, you know, I I remember which one you guys asked me the question before the show. Um, but if, if this was the United States and all of a sudden, you know, Biden was doing something horrific like Putin's doing and Sony turned around and said, okay, well, we're no longer going to sell the PS5 or the games in here. Yeah, that would really suck, but hurting me who has no way of removing a, a political figure from office or anything like that. Uh, that's where I get because you get well, Tricky. You actually do have the the chance. We do vote in this country, so you do have the chance to remove somebody from office. I mean, not you, but that's solely. But but that's at but that's in at an election. Correct. If 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 we're talk if 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 we're if we're talking United States in this situation, we cannot remove Biden politically with a vote for another three years. Well, he can be impeached. I mean, presidents can be impeached and removed from office based on what is found in that. Right, but that, but Russia doesn't have that same style of government over there. So it's not like they, you know, I I don't know what the term would be, but it's not like their House of Representatives or their Congress could vote to remove Putin. Putin is a dictator. He, you know, the only way he's going to be removed from office. It, 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 and again, I'm coming from ignorance, is if he's either killed, which I'm not advocating at all, or he he steps down. Because aren't isn't Russia, like their leaders, don't they stay in office until it's time for them uh, to either they pass away or they step down? Well, no, it's not like the Supreme Court here. They do have elections over there, I believe. I don't know the economic the 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 whole political system, but I believe that Putin has been voted into office. Okay, and he's been in office for how long? Though? It's been at least twenty years, if not twenty, 20 years, yeah, turn of the century, or at uh, at, at two thousand around two thousand. But I mean, tricky. So yes, pe- everyday people in Russia are being hurt by this, but you see that there are protests in Russia. People are going out and willing to get arrested to protest and share their voice that we don't agree with what you're doing in Ukraine. 
The problem with someone like Putin is he is completely focused on his goal and he doesn't care what happens to the Russian people. He doesn't he does he doesn't care. He cares about his aspirations and that's what he cares about, which is why I don't think he's going to stop what he's doing. You know, a lot of people have talked about there's you know, we need to find a, a uh, some kind of off-ramp to where it doesn't escalate anymore. Well, I and I've heard plenty of other people say there's no off-ramp for Putin because he he wants to win. He's a dictator. He has to have that image of power. He's never wanted to look weak, which is why you see all the crazy um, pictures and videos of him doing shit like riding a horse like with his shirt off or shit like that. Um, but we got to do something. And if we're not going to put troops on the ground, which, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are against that. If we don't want to go to full-scale war and potentially trigger World War III... What are we gonna? Are we gonna step back and watch this happen, or are we going to try to put on, you know, levy economic sanctions to get Putin to realize, okay, well, fuck the West? Because a lot of this, a lot of people have also said that part of this is China, who is a close friend of Russia, looking at Taiwan and potentially seeing how this Russian invasion of Ukraine goes, and seeing if they can do the same thing in Taiwan. Well, now, given the West's response to that, you may have China thinking twice about that. But, you know, Putin invaded because he probably thought that the West wasn't going to respond as strong as, and unified as we have. And like I've said, there's not a lot of great options. You don't want to hurt the people of Russia because, yes, their people are being lied to in Russia. Their media is being tightly constricted. And you've got people from the start who have been against this and been protesting. You don't want to hurt those people. There's good people in Russia, plenty of you know people who are completely against this. And you don't want to hurt them. But there's not great options in the situation when you've got the leader of a country indiscriminately bombing civilian populations. I mean, we got news today that an American journalist was killed because of airstrikes by Russia. So it's it's not a good situation. There's not great options, but we have to try to do something. And what we've chosen to do is economic sanctions to try to just strangle the economy of Russia. And you know, all these companies pulling out, yeah, maybe if one or two decide to pull out, it's not a big deal, but when all these tech companies and all these food companies are pulling out, there may be replacements in Russia at some point. But you know, think about if your everyday was disrupted. Like we take for granted some things, like being able to go to McDonald's or being able to go to the store and buy like a PlayStation game. But think about if all that stuff was disrupted and you couldn't anymore. You couldn't access Instagram to share things with your friends and family. You couldn't get on Facebook to talk to your loved ones or argue politics with somebody. You know. Think about the disruption of all of that and how much it would piss you off. It would piss me off, I'm going to be honest. So whether you're not these, – the, these things are effective um, and they are doing something. Is Putin necessarily going to stop tomorrow because of them? No, but the, the key is we're trying to do thing, put things in place now to get this to eventually stop and stop it from getting to a more dangerous point. And you know, a lot of these companies, they're not just stopping – or suspending operations, they're also donating money to humanitarian aid, which, you know, you look at cities like Maripol, um, it, towards the Russian border in Ukraine, those places desperately need aid. They desperately need, they're running out of food and supplies and, and places are without any, like power. So, I mean, like that money is going to help, you know, so it's not these companies are just like, okay, well, we're, we're not doing things for now. You know, like Yield, I want to see that, you know, if this shit continues, that they completely pull out or they said, well, okay, we're just not going to do um, business with you, which when it comes to the other the other nations of uh, Europe, like it's it's very possible because, you know, people are trying to wean themselves off the, the oil and gas reserves, which I've heard is like 50% of what they export, what Russia exports, so it's a huge chunk of their economy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm rambling, but 
you know, there's not good options and we have to do something. And this is kind of just the best that we've been able to do so far. Give humanitarian aid where we can, give military aid without, you know, physically putting troops there. You put our jets in their airspace. But, you know, the economic sanctions, and we've seen this worldwide, you know, it's just what everyone's decided is the best course of action at this point. Like I said, it's, I don't know. I just may, like, again, I'm coming from a, a point of ignorance on this whole thing. I just don't see the the end goal. I mean, I, I initially, like, when I started hearing about this, I I wanted to ask this question, but I was like, you know, let me just sit back, let me listen. And then I kind of like what Yield said a little bit, too. It's like, I, I feel like this is more of a PR stunt saying, hey, you know, we support Ukraine. And of course, everybody supports Ukraine, but it, it started feeling like a PR move to me. It's like, wh- what are we? Well, well, we're also levying sanctions. We're also hurting our own economy to a degree, and you know that's why, like I said, I use the example um, in one of your Facebook posts that Mexico is a country that has condemned the actions of of Russia against Ukraine, but they're not, you know, levying sanctions because you know there are a lot of countries that can't afford to do that. They can't have a, afford to have their middle class or their economy take those hits by sanctioning Russia. So they're not doing it. So, I mean, we're hurting our own economy. You, you go look at the price of goods going up. Look at the price of gasoline. You know, the, the price is already high. But ever since, you know, the news that we were banning the imports of Russian gold, oil and gas, prices went up again. So we're hurting ourselves, too. That's the, which, which is why I say it's not as much of a PR move because we're, we're ta- you know, we are sending aid, like, just a ton of money in aid to Ukraine. I don't think it's PR, like... I think no, no. I what the government's doing is yeah, it's hurting our economy too. The sanctions. Um, what the point I'm trying to get is Sony or McDonald's or somebody like that turn around saying, okay, we're not going to sell our product there. That to me is hurting the people, and it has no real impact on stopping Putin from what he's doing. Everybody's going to suffer for what Russia's doing. And regardless of we we lay down sanctions or, you know, we stop doing business, everybody in the world is getting hurt by what Putin's doing right now. That's undeniable. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the, there are a few people with Putin, but for, I mean, we say Russia, but it's it's really Putin. He's the one doing this. Right. So what? So if you're hurting the citizens of Russia and your goal is to hurt Putin. That's where I go. This is more of a PR move because you're saying we don't want to do business with Russia. But in reality, it's them saying we don't want to do business with Putin, but we have to save Russia. And now the Russian citizens are paying the price for what their leaders doing. I mean, and don't get me wrong. You know, us as U.S. citizens, we... We get punished by what our president does, whether that's, you know, Biden or Trump or Obama or whoever. And I'm just mentioning the last three and like I'm not trying to call anybody out. Um, We get hurt by what our government does. And yes, Russia's getting hurt by what Putin's doing. But I just don't see like how stopping somebody from getting a Big Mac. Putin's even going to give a shit about. We're trying to create that, that- unrest in that country via their economy. So, I mean, you look at McDonald's and Coca-Cola were two of the companies that caught a lot of shit online. Their PR took a hit when they they did not pull out, were not willing to pull out of Russia. They they said they weren't going to. 
well, lo and behold, they have. Both of them have now. But they took a PR hit for that by not immediately getting out of Russia. Or not immediately, but like seeming like they were going to stay in there and continue to do business. But so tricky. The like I said, the options aren't well, great. Let, but let me ask you. Let me, let, me, let me stop you. Let me stop you for a second. You personally, if if McDonald's or Coca Cola did not pull out of Russia, are you personally going to stop going to McDonald's because they didn't pull out of Russia? That that's to assume that I go to McDonald's ever. Okay, I, I don't go to McDonald's just, by choice, my friend. Would Would you stop buying a, a PlayStation product because Sony didn't pull out of Russia? If I thought that it was any way stifling the chance, yeah, the, the short answer is yes. If I thought it was stifling the chance to um, remove Putin or get this to stop in any way, then yeah. All right, yield. Same question. What's that? Would I stop buying a PlayStation? It, would you stop buying Sony PlayStation products if Sony turned around and said we're not pulling out of Russia? Uh, no, because I have little faith that sanctions truly work. I mean, I know you got to do something, but I don't have any faith that they'll work. He's not going to admit I lost. Or, you know, he he's... When he started bombing civilians, he's not going to just go, oh, you got me. He's going to bomb it back to the Stone Ages or take it over. So. So. If I, if I thought it would work, I would I would say yes, but I don't think it, it's going to Well, here's the thing. Like, you asked me that, and I swore off buying Activision games until they fixed the mess at that company. And I held pretty strong. So I've done, I've stopped buying company like stuff for, from companies for less. I, I should say that I do have personal stock that I've had since I was a child. My parent, my grandfather, and my dad got it for me in Coca-Cola. So that's a question for myself is if they had not pulled out, would I have said, okay, well, fuck it. I'm selling my shares and I'm taking my money elsewhere, which is something I definitely would have considered. You know, there's not much that I can do for Ukraine sitting from where I am. You know, unless I want to get on a flight and go over there and pick up a gun and 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 fight as a as a uh, you know just someone who's like, all right, well, I have no military experience, but I'm going to go out there and and, and fight. You know, because I, I believe that uh, Putin's an asshole and this, that, and the other. But if I think that I'm contributing to companies that are you know doing anything to you know not help the situation, like I think I don't know. All right, all right, we're gonna take a pin in this. With that being said, we're going to close out the show. Let's start with our shout-outs. Alex, let's start with you. I, I don't go to you first very often. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Sony for their donations to humanitarian aid. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Um, obviously, a lot of us are watching what's going on in Ukraine with horror, but we're all, I'm sure, cheering on the Ukrainians because they're fighting like hell, and you know, you've got to be proud that they're fighting for their freedom because they see the alternative and it's just it's not worth it for them so um that's it's just amazing to see the country of ukraine come together and just fight for their own freedoms uh getting back to you know more um what we usually talk about uh give a shout out to the listeners the fans the fuel to the fire the trophy horse uh thank you all very much for supporting us into the new year into 2022 and as we pass episode 500 you guys are the ones that keep us going uh, without our community you know, thanks to Homer and to Daryl for the questions, even if Daryl's questions were a little bit more uh, 
kicking kicking tricky in his shins there. But uh, thank you to you all for contributing, and you know everybody who co- contributes to the conversation. Um, Curtis, you know, talking about his his co op interest, his co- couch co op interest growing up, and everything like that, and you know, commenting on me uh, and my my Sly Cooper, my little uh, hey, we all want to see a little Sly Cooper, those kind of posts. So uh, you just you know, without our community, we're nothing. So thank you all for continuing to support us. Give a shout out to Tricky and to Yield uh, for recording tonight and wading through some potentially murky political waters that uh, we've all had to kind of go through here in the last couple weeks. Um, last but not least, give a shout out to my awesome girlfriend, Ashley, who had the idea to go to the Louisville Arcade Expo. She kept her eye, her ears to the ground and knew exactly when it was coming back to Louisville, uh, brought it up, suggested that we go, and uh, we had a fantastic time. Uh, and we celebrated one of her her son's birthdays yesterday, the the oldest one. We went to Rec Bar, which is one of the barcades here in town. So a lot of video game-fueled fun this past Saturday. So I love you, honey. Thanks for always thinking of fun things to do. And uh, that'll be my shout-outs. Yield? Uh, shout-out to the Rocket League crew this week. Uh, Alex, Homer, Travis, Joe. Am I missing anybody? Nitro, yes, I was. I was missing somebody. And Nitro, uh, shout out to Tricky and Alex for recording tonight. Uh, shout out to my niece that hooked me up with a sweet little Shy Guy figure. Because she knows that I like Shy Guy. So, um, and uh, as always, shout out to the Pimps and Mounds of the Hordom. Thank you for hanging out with us, playing games, watching when we stream, interacting with the show, downloading the show. Um, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. That's it. All right. And I want to give a shout out to Sweet Mama D, who unfortunately, because it's snowing outside, I was not able to spend time with today. Uh, shout out to the listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, if you guys are enjoying these longer shows, let us know. Uh, I've been thinking about, you know, toning it down a little bit. Uh, shout out to everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, as Alex said, the community is what drives us. Uh, I will try to get Yield to remember to post uh, post your questions every Sunday because me and Alex seem to forget a lot. Not that it's really Alex's responsibility. Or oh, No, I don't forget. I just don't do it. <laughs> um, Yeah, so thank you very much. And if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. Later. song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash even Philippines. Yo, dude, say goodbye. That's because I was using the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't wait any longer. I had to go. <laughs> Ten four.